Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hu- hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is, which is a shit show of politics and strange nudes. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level of cyber peyote, peyote come join Swain's Wigwarm. <laughs> I'm going to have to read this over. Swain's Wigwam, yeah. Swain's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's gift to college football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low, low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. <laughs> I'll have to read that one, but... Well, in the history of college football, there has never been a win that felt more like a loss than Washington's victory last night at Arizona. It was a colossal dumpster fire of bad coaching, bad execution, and all played out in ugly white uniforms in front of a national TV audience. Uh, Jimmy Lake and Jen Cohen have got to go, and the longer that we wait, uh, the deeper the hole that UW digs for itself. Uh, is there much more than that to say? We're going to find out. Um, joined by my comrades in arms, Joey Dangerously and Willie Doog. And um, Willie, we'll start with you this week. Uh, the Huskies barely survived with the, ba- with the come from behind win last night, 21-16. Your thoughts, please. Well, I'm going to start with the positive. The Doog is one. You know, the 2016 team. Barely won at Arizona. They had to go to a bad Arizona team. They had to go to overtime. You know, uh, the Huskies have really struggled, no matter how good they are, to win in the desert, you know, historically. It almost never happens. Um, third, that Arizona team, uh, I, I re-looked at what they've done this year, you know. They were uh, a one-possession game with Oregon halfway through the fourth quarter. They, they really gave UCLA fits. Uh, and both of those games might have been on the road. Uh with the Dugan out of the way, you know, yeah, it's 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 as worse of a win as I think I could ever remember, um, and it, it it's totally unnecessary. You know, I, I said it was for a long time it was worse to me than the 2008 Apple Cup because personnel-wise, this Husky team, especially at spots like sec- at cornerback and wide receiver, um, you know, I wouldn't trade any player, almost any healthy player on that 2008 team for any spot on this Washington team, even linebacker, which is a disgrace. Uh, yeah, it's as worse of a win as you could ever have, but at least it's a win, kind of. I mean, we can get to that later, but I'm a little worried about actually that they did win. Uh, but I'll let, I'll let other people, you know, get, uh, spill their brain. Joey? I, I, I would I, I would have taken Donald Butler and Mason Foster, probably. Yeah, you know, you're right. An, they were young, not, you well, know. Oh, a Jermaine Butler wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, a non a non quitting Donald Butler and Mason Foster because everybody on that team that year just quit. I can't can't blame can't blame them, but you know, uh, yeah. Well, uh, um, I will say this. If, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'll say this. Uh, when I was riding bow down to Willingham, I had like a three hour conversation with the with the late Johnny Curtin, and he talked about what it was like being on the field, like down at Cal and down at USC and watching people around him quit. Uh, Paul Homer told me this as well. 
uh, almost word for word, they said the same thing, is that they were playing hard, but so many people around them quit, and they would never forgive them, is, is what Johnny Curtin told me. But, uh, but anyways, please continue. You triggered that memory for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Twenty-one to. Uh, you know, I I didn't I didn't even think about that 2016 game at Arizona until now. But uh, yeah, that was uh, a combination of Greg Gaines and Levon Coleman saving that game for us. Because if you remember. Greg Gaines broke J.J. Taylor's leg by <laughs> squatting on him, and it's completely saved that game. Saved uh, the season. <laughs> this, game, this game reminded me of – it was reminding me of the whole game of uh, – was it 2017 at ASU when uh, – didn't they lose like 10-6? to 6? They couldn't make a – but there was such a calamity of errors in that game that couldn't make a field goal or, or an extra point. Um, they had like miraculous throw by Manny Wilkins, uh, who sneaks it through like three defenders and then (laughs) Jordan Miller's leg broke. (laughs) It was, it was reminding me of that game where the offense couldn't do, couldn't do jack shit. And then one, you know, they had one drive, I think where they went hurry up or whatever it was. Yeah. I, I don't, I was I was like I wasn't even angry at you know after the first quarter it it was almost like I had to laugh at how bad it was going. Well, the announcers called it a pillow fight. Yeah, (laughs) pillow fight. (laughs) I was a little numb, honestly. Yeah, it was like it it was like what what am I watching here? Why am yeah, I it was almost worse for this? It's <laughs> yeah. almost worse than being mad. I was just like, I was with my dad, and he was into it, you know, and he was, you know, really pissed off and things are going bad. And I was just kind of sitting there not saying anything because I'm like, how does this happen? How How is this what's taking place? Uh, you know, I joked about, you know, being Arizona was due and, you know, they play so bad in the desert. And, you know, Arizona has to look at this game and know, you know, this team might quit. But then as soon as I saw that both the teams on the field, I'm like, there's no way the Huskies shouldn't win this one, like, at least, like, 31 to 14 or something. And then the punt got blocked, and I was like, well, I'm going numb because this is the only way you could let them in the game is by, you know, quitting and, like, just completely messing up. But I also never felt like it was, like, 2017 Arizona State, you're, like, you're watching a decent team with, talent that's just things are going wrong they're playing bad they're playing a semi-talented team that's you know playing really well at least on defense this is just like bad it's bad 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 like this is a bad team playing bad it's a really bad team who's not playing that well in an empty stadium it's one of the weirdest environments i could ever remember you know watching a, a a pac-12 football game of how bad that that crowd was it's like they were social distancing by default, you know? <laughs> I, I kept getting thrown off because the Huskies would have the ball, and then I was like, you know, we, we see some bad crowds at Stanford and in the Pac-12, but I've never seen one like that where it was just like, it felt it like quiet. A yeah, it was yes. quiet. I mean, well, quiet. Like Dylan Morris didn't play better because, you know, he played great in practice games last year, uh, so... 
maybe that's when he turned it on, you know. But yeah, it was just weird. I just felt like numb for the most part, more than anything. And when they won, I was kind of relieved, but then I felt numb again. But I, I don't know for sure what you're going to say, and we'll get to it in a little bit, but I'm guessing your your thoughts mirror mine in terms of the uh, it, what the uh, impact of that win last night is going to mean going forward. But I, I don't know how much of the uh, into detail you guys want to get in regards to the game. So, you know, com- comment as much or as little as you, as you wish here, but I... Did you guys notice just from a standpoint offensively and from an offensive identity and it's like we came out with this thing like we're going to run the ball, we're going to smash it down their throat, and then it wasn't really working, so they were like, <laughs> you, you could almost have them go, okay, uh, let's throw the ball, and then they start throwing the ball over the place. It, it just Did you guys get that kind of cattywampus feeling coming from the, from the, uh, the booth there? Yeah, he, yeah. he, he seems like he eats some uh, – he eats some humble pie during some part in the game where he's like, "Oh man, my uh, my mantra, my identity of being a being a big fucking tough guy doesn't isn't working right now. So I have to I have to do something else, you know, and go uh, just straight up chucking the ball around the yard. And I I. Uh, I don't think uh, I don't think this uh, offensive mentality. You know, he he's gotten the offense to think like uh, you know we got to run the ball, and then when they go when they have to pass and throw, I, I don't think I, I don't think the offense has the mentality. They're they're just they're bad run blockers to begin with. So yes. then when the run so then when the run is failing and their mentality is is you know hey we're gonna drive you off the ball and uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, just pound you pound you all over the field, you know. And then when they have to throw, they're like, "Oh, we're we're not mentally prepared to throw the ball and you know get revved up and drive down the field and hurry up." They they look like they're unprepared to do it. It kind of felt like Montana again, where they were like, I think they seemed to think that they were just going to be able to you know run for. Uh, you know, seven, eight yards to play against a bad, a terrible Arizona run defense. And then they couldn't. And then they were like, oh, now we're passing, but we're not a good passing team. And I wonder if they don't practice, you know, passing a lot that much or something, because it just does not look natural. They can't protect. And they got themselves into a situation quickly where they're like, they put a bunch of pressure on their offense and their passing game to have to produce. Because, I mean, after they gave up that, you know, six-minute drive for a, a field goal in the third quarter, they had to pass because they, they weren't going to have enough time. And, you know, if they went three and out, the game was over, just time-wise, uh, you know, and given how limited their offense is. Uh, my only thought was, thank God for Terrell Bynum. <laughs> that's, about it. Uh, <laughs> that's it. I mean, offensively, just thank God for Terrell Bynum. Um, also things like it seems like they figured out in the second half that, you know, their offensive line can't straight up block, but they can pull a little bit, or, or at least they have new wrinkles, but they have played, they haven't exhausted yet. If they pull linemen, every successful running play practically was that. Yeah, that's all I think offensively. Thank God for thank God for Terrell Bynum. And I assume they had to see in the first half that they had receivers wide open. I mean, if yes. Morris was just on, they should have scored at least like, 21 in the first half just 
on like 80 yard touchdowns to Jalen McMillan. Uh, so yeah, they, they had it open and Morris was just straight up missing guys. McMillan's effort sucked on a couple of those plays. That was terrible. No, he hit it on Dunsay. Yeah, I'm hoping him and Odunzay just haven't learned it yet. <laughs> Even the one where they got the encroachment call, you know, where uh, the the the, uh, the Arizona player um, picked it. Uh, yeah. It looked like McMillan wasn't even going to try to go get that ball. And I, thought he did. I mean, obviously the yeah, the, obviously the one before oh, right, it right. where uh, where it looked like he where it looked like he was going to get hit, and you could see him just take his eye off the ball and watch the defender come over. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, hey, uh, uh, hey, Jalen, come on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That might be a, 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 a result, though, of people starting to quit on the team. That was what I was thinking I, last night. I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was like, yeah. oh, man, they're, they're like, giving up. Because <laughs> McMillan, he's fiery. You know, his personality is fiery out there. So he's not one to shy away, usually. So, um, But, you know, also another thought I had last night, it's like if you think back to just uh, as an example from the past, someone like John Ross – there was enough of an offensive identity that he entered games knowing that he would be featured to a certain degree and he had an expectation of how often he'd get the ball. And you think of the wide receivers that we have now, they enter the game and from quarter to quarter, they, they, you don't know whether we're going to be in our run the damn ball mode at 1.3 yards a carry or whatever. Uh, or whether we're going to suddenly turn into, you know, BYU of the 80s and be pass-happy and stuff. And I think that I think that's got to be very frustrating, especially if you have a, a, a bit of a fiery ego like McMillan has, I think. Um, I think they, I think the, they all do. Uh, they want the ball. Um, they want to be a difference maker. They want to be a playmaker. And then it, we – you end up being like you go in stretches of long stretches of time throughout the game as a wide receiver. You're where you're just like you're you know you're on the uh, Oklahoma wishbone teams of again the '80s or something like that. I'm dating myself here, but um, but uh, you know where you know like remember Keith Jackson was an All-American tight end in the mid '80s and he had like 18 catches for the year or something. <laughs> sure, you remember that? So. <laughs> I don't remember yeah. him in college. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not as old as you are, Derek. But the Huskies played him I, in I, the '85 Orange Bowl. So <laughs> I, I, rem- I remember him in uh, uh, for Philadelphia for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so well, so so the one thing I was thinking of last night is uh, why is I was like so Dylan Morris is. Uh, the quotes from Jimmy Lake is, you know, we we just don't see it in practice with, you know, Sam Hewitt or uh, Access Hollywood, Pat O'Brien. And um, so I was thinking why, why Dylan Morris must be doing good in practice. And I wonder if, if he attacks the middle of the field in practice against, uh, you know, the likes of Asa Turner and mm. Jackson Sermon. It's okay, so he's not he's doesn't throw the deep ball that great, 
um, during the game. So I wonder if he's doing all these intermediate routes during practice and attacking all these bad players on his, de- you know, on the defense. And I wonder if that's why he looks, you know, much better. And it looks like because when Sam comes into the game, uh, both against Arizona and Arkansas State, it, it looks like he wants to he wants to go down the field. Like he wants to play some seven on seven and. Yeah, throw it deep. But both of his balls, did he throw two passes yesterday? And he was trying to go. He was trying to go deep. Yeah, both times it looked like. And then in Arkansas State, he had like three incompletions where he was trying to, you know, throw fades or back shoulder throws, if I remember right, until he finally completed a, um, just a intermediate pass to, Tanay against Arkansas State. So I'm wondering if that's why Dylan Morris looks good in practice. Dylan Morris just takes all the check downs in practice, you know, like, oh, hey, I can uh, – whoever Jackson Sermon is covering, I can keep my job <laughs> by just <laughs> – I can keep my job by throwing it to whoever Jackson Sermon is covering. And by the way, they they got to do something about the numbers – the team because uh, 41 is McDonald, 42 is Bruner, 43 <laughs> is Sermon. So they have three, like, 6'2", 225-pound white guys that look the exact same. <laughs> and I cannot distinguish the three of them. And they stand all next to each other <laughs> before before the ball is snapped. I'm like, who the fuck? There's, there's triplets out here. <laughs> well, maybe that's Jimmy playing 4D chess. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> They're all bad too. So, oh, uh, here's well, anyways, another pet peeve. Thought, just... That was a <laughs> that was the thought I had during the game. When we line up to punt, why do we do that little? Uh, I was going to use a word I shouldn't use, but um, we do that thing where we have that little mini huddle, and our punter's back there, and he lines up, and then they all run up to the line and. I was talking to my dad um, at one point during the game last night, and I was like, why don't we just line up and kick the fucking ball? I just can't stand that shit. You know, you can't you can't do anything else right, so why are we trying to be all cute with this shit? So there's chess. my rant for the day. Yeah, 40 that? chess. 40 chess. <laughs> right. And that's neither here nor there in regards to the outcome of the game or whatever, but it's just uh, amid my rising anger last night watching this debacle, um, that was uh, one of the things that uh, kind of triggered me, I guess. But um, if you guys have anything further you want to discuss about the game itself, please do. But I'm really kind of – I feel like we're repeating ourselves. I want to keep things fresh for the audience. Um, But I feel like I'm just saying the same thing week after week lately – and then we'll, and then we'll transition to what the uh, going forward what the uh, you know what the meaning of last night is. But uh, do you guys have anything further to say about the game itself? Go ahead, Wooly. Yeah, my only thing, final thing, only thing is, thank God another team passed for no reason. <laughs> That's it. That's the game. Yeah, uh, if Arizona <laughs> just runs, <clears throat> just runs, and at least gets a field goal in that drive where Thule picked it. Uh, I don't, they win, and they would probably win yep. going away. Cal, if Cal for some reason 
if Cal doesn't for some reason throw deep against Kyler Gordon for no reason, I think Cal wins. Yeah, thank God, another team for no reason. And uh, thank God for Thule. I actually think Thule's good and had a good. he's having good games, and the ends and the linebackers are terrible. That's it. <laughs> Enjoy Did we lose Joey? Uh, we must have. Did Joey get kicked out of the garage? <laughs> yeah, oh, he's... <laughs> Is he back? Oh, I'm looking at the thing here, and he left. So he's been right, gone well, over a minute. There I he is. Dro- I, I got dropped. <laughs> oh, I got well. Dropped. The listen- listeners had enough. <laughs> Yeah, God show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I completely missed what Wooly Duke was saying, but um, he was just talking shit about you. But I don't know if he wants to repeat yeah. it or not. But that's fine. I'll hear it. I'll, 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 hear, I'll hear it. I'll hear it later, later today or tomorrow or whenever. Um, if he, if you guys are finished, I, I got one thing to point out. Sure. Um, so we've been shitting on uh, Asa Turner a lot, and for good reason, because he's soft. But there was one there was one thing I was really proud of yesterday. Is he obviously, if you notice uh, Arizona's last punt, he obviously got like a stinger, which I used to get every single game I played football. Uh, my shoulder would like pop out of socket and pop back in. And I'd have to be like holding my arm for a play. And I never wanted to come out because they probably wouldn't put me back in. So he obviously had that happen on, uh, on the third down before Arizona's last punt. Cause he was holding his arm and he stayed in the game for the punt. And, and I was like, I was like, well, good for him. He's, you know, he's tough. It, it, he's tough. He's just afraid to hit somebody late because that late hit on Herbert ruined his career. <laughs> it, it completely ruined his career. And by the way, he's going to have like four or five interceptions this year, you know, on like Hail Mary, Hail Mary <laughs> plays that don't count. And he's yeah. gonna make like he's gonna make like second team all pack twelve <laughs> based on his interception. Oh, that's great. <laughs> just, yeah, he'll have just he'll, wait. Just wait. <laughs> he'll have five interceptions, four of them to you know to seal the game. <laughs> that's great. I'll I'll read uh well our shout out of the week will go to Husky JW. Uh, he made a post today at 8.56 a.m. <laughs> on on HardcoreHusky.com, and he said, when the Beavs lose tonight, we control our own destiny in the North, LOL. And then at 9.19 a.m., so 23 minutes later, he said, wait, I think I'm wrong. They need to lose two more. <laughs> Fuck my life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when you said that, I was like, I don't think they do. I think they need to be. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. <laughs> uh, so, hey, uh, also, ZTF is fucking back. 
the yeah, he had for one play. He had some he had some good pressures. He was he was in there. He's I think he's uh he's probably out of shape, but he yeah, he was he, uh he had some good he had some good pressures. And uh you know, got one sack. He's got he's got half of uh you know, overhyped Josh Shirley down in Eugene. He's got half of his sack totals. <laughs> so Alert and, the press. And I will I will meet I will meet anybody at their their own seven eleven. I will fucking fight them if they tell me Thibodeau's better than ZTF. <laughs> <laughs> so um the meaning of last night going forward. And Wooly uh, you said you wanted to get to that and I think I we we haven't talked about this, but I think I know where you're going with that. But let's see. What what are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, one thing I need to make sure it, it feeds into it is, I think Cohen or someone from Washington told them to never show Jimmy on the sideline, given the fans mm. saying stuff if he looked lost because it was bizarre. I mean, they showed Ted Fish looking like a CPA, and then uh, Doctor Bliss about every five <laughs> seconds looking like your your grandpa. Uh, <laughs> but they, I don't ever remember seeing Jimmy like at all. Uh, so I think they said not to kill him. Yeah, for me, I think, I think you're you're picking up. Uh, my thought is, if they lose that game, you know, there's a chance they fired Jimmy this year. And I think, especially you know, given he loses out most likely to lose that game, and now I'm a little worried that, that was the one way to get out. Was a, if they lose that game, you lose two historically terrible Arizona team looking pathetic, you can fire him. But now I'm a little worried that they, even if they lose out from here, it's not enough to fire him. And we're, all we're really doing is, you know, extending a marriage that's dead for, for another year or two. And that's my only thought. That's my thought. That's my fear. <laughs> no, it's hard to, I, there was a really good post last night where someone said, you know, I thought someone said, like, Jimmy's trying to lose his job. That way he just gets the buyout, you know, it over his head and he can move on. And then eventually get, like, an NFL DB coach job. Uh, yeah, but that's my thought is that did all that do is not give them, you know, the second – it was like the second unsportsmanlike conduct call. You know, the first you get the warning, that was Montana. You get a second one, you're gone. You lose to an Arizona team that's, I think, way worse than Montana with a third-string quarterback. And a third-string running back that you let run for 11 yards per carry named Rocker. Yep. <laughs> that's my thought. I, I think the only problem is that might have saved Jimmy, might have saved the get-out-of-jail free card to fire Jimmy where you're like, look, they went two and ten, and he lost both those games. Did any of you guys yeah, notice I, the dress that Jen Cohen was wearing? Did I you never saw her. Catch it? I so heard about you it, could but I didn't see her. It. Well, you could see her like when they're carting off um, Alex Cook. By the way, glad he's okay, from what I'm hearing. Oh so, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Glad he's okay. Um, and you could see her. She's wearing like this beige sundress her hair is uh, probably the most blonde i've ever seen you know anybody's hair um so she's obviously dying it you know it she's wearing this sundress like she just came from you know a pool party at a country club 
I'm like, this is, I don't think this is the attire to wear at a, you know, if you're, uh, I I don't know, an an administrator for a, for a school, you know, I I don't know. It it just looked like maybe I'm nitpicking at her, but it's like, what? Did you come down here just to just to hang out and have some good vibes in the sun or something? You know, like where's your where's your fucking yoga pants and your your windbreaker? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I, I, and I wanted I wanted to respond to what Wooly was saying there. The um, I never in a million years is I, I don't think there's a, even a tiniest of a percent of a chance that Jimmy's ever going to get fired during the season. But my thought was that by if he had lost last night, that that opens the door for a small chance that he would be fired after the season was over. If you go like three and nine or something like that, and you have that Arizona and Montana uh, loss uh, hanging around his neck like an albatross. Um, but uh, I have there's no way he'd be fired during the season at all unless there was a scandal. No way. So that that's my thought. Arthur, yeah, hundred percent. Teams we've beaten, we question mark. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. The teams we've beaten aren't they? <laughs> isn't it like a? Isn't it like a combined two for like twenty or something? It's so, it's so bad. It's like the worst three and four record uh, in the history of mankind. But uh, I. Uh, what, one other thing. My God. Uh, last night, last night, a, a text battle between two of my friends, Jeff and John, was probably the most entertaining part. Of <laughs> they were arguing at least an hour after the game about <laughs> about, about what quarter uh, uh, quarterback talent and doesn't need coaching and it was. I would just look at my phone and I'd have 24 texts and I'd have to scroll back through. <laughs> and they're just arguing. Like, like what if Dylan Morris had Nick Saban? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny. Um, what, uh, what, what, what chance do you guys think that uh, Sam Heward finds the portal in December? Zero. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I mean, my word's not Heward. Kind of going back to what we said earlier about the, the receivers not knowing what's going to happen. I actually thought when they threw deep to Odunze, I, maybe once or twice, I, I was pretty sure that was called that was a designed Dylan throw it down the field for him because we think he's going to transfer uh, type of thing. And I think a lot of those play when they were just weirdly going downfield. <laughs> I will yeah. also add the world's most pathetic offensive coordinating is like you when you're playing the computer in NCAA football and PlayStation where you get down and you're like, I just got to throw Hail Marys every play because that's my only chance because it's like a glitch in the game that they can't cover. Uh, eventually you'll hit a guy on a Hail Mary and that's how you win the game. That's what they were doing. Uh, but no, I think, I don't know, I, I think Heward – I'm more worried about the receivers and random guys. The only thing I think is going to save them, which 
you know, I actually thought it was really bad body language after O'Donnell got that touchdown. He didn't look excited at all. Uh, I think someone needs to inform those guys that, you know, they're not going to transfer to Oklahoma. Oklahoma doesn't want, I don't think, wants those guys. They're going to go to Fresno State. Are we playing in the Mountain West or like the MAC? You know, because they haven't shown that much. And if you're not showing effort, you know, no one, they're not all world. So, uh, that's what I'm worried. And yeah, I do think there's a chance he would transfer. I mean, I'm not completely writing that off, but again, he needs to show something too. I mean, he came in there, he had McMillan, it was a tough throw open for a big pull and he semi hanered it and almost threw an interception. Uh, we I'm going like, to ignore that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like, I don't hold any, you come in for one or make one or two throws and go back to the I, bench. I, I'm, I'm not going to hold that against anybody. That's not a real thing, but I'm make I'm, I'm joking. But uh, <laughs> no, with his dad, his dad working for the school. I don't, I don't think he transfers out. I think, uh, I think if anything, once if Jen, if something happens to Jen after this year, I bet Damon pulls some, you know, some other big dick move. And bumps himself up to athletic director because he's slowly. Well, look at his look at his career tra- trajectory. He slowly I'm not like, arguing. wormed his he slowly yeah. wormed his way up the ladder at that school, and he and he pulled a you know a, you know a slimy move and and pushed uh, Chuck Nelson out of the booth and put himself in there. Yep. And you could kind of see, like, hmm, what's he going to – is he uh, is he back in uh, Seattle sweet-talking the, you know, the UW president right now? <laughs> like, like, look at her. Look at her in that sundress. She's not ready for, to be an athletic director. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know and, about that, uh, but <laughs> – but, but – uh, but I do think that uh, what you're saying there may ha- hold some credence, um, and you, you use the word "wormed" his way. <laughs> but I mean, I, I can't um, think of a better way to describe it, you know. Yeah. Uh, now let's. Uh, I'm not. A, I, I'm a big fan of Brock. I like Brock personally. I've never been a fan of Damon uh, being a player or uh, uh, or as a you know up in the booth yelling over Rondo or or anything else. <laughs> But um, I have to say, uh, if, if I put those feelings aside, if I'm in his shoes and if Jimmy – I don't think Donovan's coming back no matter what. He'll be a fall guy. But if Jimmy's coming back, Cohen's still there. And if I truly believe that my son is a great, great talent, I'm not going to have him sit here and waste his career at a shitty place like this just because he's a legacy recruit. I want him to fulfill his potential. And I want him to go somewhere where he's not going to have the uh, – you know, the – the assistant to the running back coach teaching him how to be quarterback. I, I just think so it's have, so pathetic that we're in this position. So have you, have any of you guys thought realistically, you know, if, cause I, I, I haven't really thought about who they would replace Jimmy Lake with. Cause I don't think he's going anywhere, but realistically, like who would they hire? Save it. As an offensive coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is... Save it. Save it. I'll take your 
call up here. I'll take your comment up here. <laughs> make him say no. That's all you got to do. Yeah, make him say no, um, damn it. <laughs> No, the uh, you know people have been talking about the Fresno coach. I know you're saying about who's going to be the offensive coordinator, but the the main thing is you bring in a head coach who's going to be able to uh, outfit his uh, assistant staff in a proper manner. You know that's his job yeah. to do. But your job as athletic director is to make is your job as athletic director is not to hire the offensive coordinator. Your job is obviously to hire the head coach and let that person. Uh, do his job properly. And when you've got Jimmy contacting the assistant running backs coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I can't get over that. I still cannot get over that. And I'm not even mad at Donovan. You know, who who's going to turn down that job opportunity, you know? No. Um, no. I, it, it, if, if you're calling a if you're calling a middle-aged uh you know, a middle a guy in his mid-50s who's moved to the NFL in there for a few years, I don't think they want to come back to college. I, look at Eric Yarbers is now the wide receiver coach for the Rams. Like he was a great college, uh, you know, position coach and a great recruiter. But now I think he's been with the Rams like for three or four years. Like I don't think those guys really want to come back to college. But you know, especially you, with the you, pension. Yeah, you'd like double and triple his pay or whatever, to, you know, come back. Like, of course he takes the job, you know, and he was probably going to be let go by the Jags anyways or whatever. But but I, I just keep thinking, like, like well, they've got to be – because Kalen DeBoer, you know, the Fresno State coach, he's going to be – he's going to go somewhere uh, this year. He'll be the hot name. And then the guy from um, – god dang it, I'm, I'm – uh, I'm blanking on the name of the school, but um, they're like undefeated last year with with Liberty. They're just some uh, mid-major school, not Charlotte, but um, ah, I can't Coastal think of it. Atlanta, Coastal, yeah, the uh, the Chanticleers. Uh, that guy will be like a hot name, you know. The guy from Nevada maybe could go somewhere, but. Um, I try to. Th- I'm trying to think like realistically. They'll have a buyout with you know with Donovan, so it's going to be some guy like uh, Noel Mazzoni or something that they'll they'll have to hire because he's like an offensive analyst for UConn right now, and they'll have to like say, oh yeah, we can only like offer you about five hundred fifty thousand a year, and he's going to be like. Oh. I'm in my early 60s. <laughs> I was almost retired and out of a job, and I'll take it. So they're going to take a guy who's probably past, you know, 10 years past his prime and hire a guy like Noel Mazzoni, and that'll be that'll be Sam Heward's new offensive coordinator, you know. Well, go get a, go get a, a guy that's really excelling at the FCS level, even if he's not a coordinator, but even if he's a head coach, you know, um, and offer him the coordinator position up here, and, and that person might look at it as a, a stepping stone. And if he's got a, a good track record of four, five, six, seven years where he's churning out uh, dynamic offenses that are doing a good job and winning games, let's make it happen. I mean, let's sort through – let's go panning for some gold, for crying out loud, you know. I mean, it's like – what the hell are we doing? 
Uh, why, yeah. don't you just, why don't you just hire Kennedy's Kennedy's head coach? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not talking I, I about mean, Jerry Faust type of thing, but I'm dating yeah. myself again. But <laughs> do you guys know that reference? I I know I know the reference. Yep. Willie, do you know that reference? Vaguely, like I might be, I'm connecting some dots, and I might be make, getting it wrong in my head, but I know I kind of know what you're talking about. At Notre, Notre Dame, he was a he was a high school coach at Notre Dame. Uh, hired him as the head coach for Notre Dame, and they went yeah, off the rails. Yeah, and then that was before that was before Lou Holtz. But yeah, that's what I thought it was. I mean, I almost think promoting Gregory was worse than uh, worse than oh. a lot of it. I, yeah, uh, I, I I'm starting to think that too. It, yeah, go ahead. It's one A, one B. Yeah, I was because uh, my dad was asking about Gregory, and I was like, I'm gonna look at his Wikipedia. Horrible sign, horrible, horrible sign that I didn't ever notice is when he left Cal. You see, he was hired as a linebackers coach at Boise State, so he went from a Pac-12 defensive coordinator job to a line a position coach at a Mountain West school, which is just means that your career was over and you got a like a shot to like ride it out and now he's Washington's defensive coordinator. Like that is such a bad sign that when he left that defensive coordinator job that that was where he landed. That means that, you know, no one wanted to hire him as a defensive coordinator even at a small yeah. school. That's how big of a dud he he is, you know. I mean, if you're cuz that world of Pac-12 coordinators and stuff, people know like, oh, he, you know, Tedford ran its course, but he's a good defensive coordinator. You know, UCLA or Arizona or Colorado or someone's like, I'll hire that guy, at least as a – maybe. but if you're going to a Mountain West school as a position coach, it means you're a dud. He's a dud here. Um, you know, the linebackers are – I mean, that's – we could do an hour on how pathetic and horrible the linebackers are. I mean, I've never seen anything this bad, and they're throwing 25 guys out there and none of them can play. Uh, the guys on the end, I don't know if you call it Buck or a defensive end, whatever you want to call them, are, you know, worse Suck. than Tom Wu-Ting. Worse than Wu-Ting. Other than ZTF, uh, Bowman looks worse than he was before. Um, Smalls is, plays like four plays a game, and I thought he looked decent last year. Uh, and he's going to transfer out, but not that he's some – he's going to have to transfer to, like, the Coug or something. Uh, anyway, so congratulations. Yeah. Uh, or, you heard, you heard about his week. dad, right? Yeah, I saw that. You know, I mean, same thing. I get it, but same thing, dude. Like, you're going to be transferring to Pullman. Don't think that, you know, Florida State yeah. or Florida is on the line or even Oregon. I don't know if Oregon would even take him. Uh, if, he, you know, if, he's he lucky. if he's lucky. If he's lucky. I mean, the Coug might not even want you. I mean, that's – I think that's one thing that's – Again, I'm going deep. That's going to emerging from the portal is that I think these kids are kind of like the NIL. Like reality is going to set in, and these kids are going to realize like you, it, it's better in life to be in a bad Husky team than be on a Fresno State team that goes 12 and two. It is. You get a better life. Yeah. You get better girl. You get better girls. You get to you know play at a real program. You're not. You know, you're not playing in an empty stadium in San Jose State uh, every other weekend. You know, you get to put on a real uniform, and things can turn around. Like, I think these guys I, think that they're just going to transfer to, like, you know, the schools that were recruiting them out of high school. You're not. You're going to go to Eastern, and 
you're going to be basically playing at a program that's a glorified high school program. Yeah, and I'm thinking he, Smalls would probably end up at Nevada or something like that. Yeah. He looks like he looks like a kid, which is what I was worried about. What I rank, why I ranked him as a two on the projection poll we did, like last year or the year before. He looks like a kid that was way ahead of everybody growth-wise as a freshman, and then everybody caught up to him. We all have those kids, you know. Where you're playing baseball in, in fifth grade, and one kid obviously. Um, developed way earlier than every other kid. Then by the time you get to eighth grade, every kid's caught up with him and he, he's, you know, just an average player. And I don't know, we're, we're going to have people blame the coaches or whatever, but it just looks like small is a guy that developed early, uh, got super hyped up, hyped himself up, you know, doing all the Twitter bullshit. And then now he's, He's a fucking jag now. He can't, can't crack. He can't crack this lineup. You can't beat out Cooper <laughs> McDonald. You can't beat out that's Cooper pretty McDonald. Damning. It's bad. He should like, be able to do that on raw talent. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so does he not have effort? I don't. You know, I, I don't want to make excuses for him. Like may, maybe his effort sucks. Shit, Dad, you know, maybe you'd look at your kid and say, well, you know, maybe he's just not better than Cooper fucking McDonald. Cooper <laughs> I mean, jeez. Yeah, to, to go back to the, the, the whole linebacker group, how do they all – how are they all bad? How is that possible? They all – like, hey, Mooley was taking, like, a really shitty angle yesterday – on uh, one of Arizona's runs. And I was like, how are they all this bad? They're bad. And how is our offensive line so bad? It's uh, the same thing. Yes. Yeah. How are they I all think, bad? I think the line's worse, because at least with, you know, the guys they're throwing in at linebacker, a lot of them are young. I mean, but the O-line is experienced. Uh, I mean, they're out there. They're experienced. Uh, they're guys who've played a lot of reps, and to just be that bad against Arizona is mind-boggling. Um, I mean, they they can't protect. They can't do anything. They all look out of shape. It, it's weird at this day and age. Uh, I, I assume they have to look at their strength and conditioning, you know, program because they don't look good. Especially, I kind of. It seems like to me in college football maybe in the NFL too, that the smaller, we're kind of going back to a cycle of smaller, you know, offensive and defensive linemen who can make plays laterally. That's kind of the trend. And Washington is set up for the exact opposite. On both lines, they have big, giant guys who, you know, not only can they not move laterally, they can't get off blocks or they can't start blocks. So, uh, it, I mean, of all the things, of all the big problems, O-line is the biggest that's the biggest. I mean, Morris would be probably fine if they had a, the O line that we thought they were going to have. He would be fine. They'd be five and six and one or five and one, or whatever they'd be. He wouldn't be great. They would have still lost to Michigan by like fourteen. But that having no offensive line is destroying everything. Like, yes, they haven't. They haven't like 
and they haven't showed up once. I remember, you know, even in those bad Gilby years, bad Willingham years, it's college football. You have games where, you know, you'll watch an, an offensive line that's terrible against, like, an FCS school, and then the next week they go out and they play a Pac-12 school and, and they roll you. And it's weird. It's just sports, you know. And that O-line still has not done that. I just keep waiting for, you know, because it's just the guys at Pac-12 schools for the most part, especially right now, they're pretty similar. You know, there's no USD in the mid-2000s, you know, that, that's where it's like this talent is way above else. So guys kind of win, lose games. I think our units play good or not because of like the way the wind's blowing are like <laughs> matchups and that offensive line should at least have a game where they just, you know, they pound somebody and they are not at all. They're not even getting close. Hey, I know. First to ten. Let's run McGrew up the middle. <laughs> it's worked so well. Up, up, up the middle, up the middle, fade. Up the middle, up the middle, fade. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know everybody's like Everybody's screaming right now, like, it's coaching, it's coaching, it's coaching, which it's probably, like, 80% coaching. But at some point, like we said, you know, if you're, if you're talented, you're going to show – like, you're going to show up. Like, you, you'll be – you know, you, you, we'll notice, you know, the one, or, the one or two talented people, you know, on a unit that – you know, are, are, are good. Like, oh, okay. He can overcome, you know, not the greatest coaching in the world, but there's nobody on this line right now. That's like, that looks, that looks decent at all. So yeah. we can blame Huff all we want, but it, I mean, it's like they're, they don't look mean. They don't, they, they don't look intimidating. They they don't look ready to rumble. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think I think Huff is a candidate to you know be gone. But, but it's like I, I, I mean I don't man I'm not going to be shocked if Jimmy doesn't move any of these coaches. I I, I, I'm not. He he should just he if he moves Huff he should just hire um, what's his name at Oregon State. Um, he'll probably Michael. he'll probably promote he'll promote from within. <laughs> yeah, it'll be yeah. uh, our Boise State guy, a guy who was floundering at Boise uh, at Boise State. Uh, well, they're not wasn't getting Scott Michael Huff the uh, tight end coach. Yeah, he at is, Boise State, he was, and they promoted him. He was exactly. He was floundering at Boise State. Career kind of my, like my hall chick, my hall, Jim, my hall chick, or Michael chick, or yeah, he's not some coming. Pol- to some top Polish top. name. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he's we, a great O line coach. They should have hired wasn't him. He, we hired yeah, him for fifteen minutes be, once. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say. Then we got stuck with Cazetto. <laughs> all he all he does Ugh. is make millions. <laughs> All he does is make millionaires. <laughs> One in Calamete. <laughs> One. <laughs> One guy. Um, well, well, I mean, like the great line from iDog, the epic line from iDog was um, years ago was about Steve Entman and, he, and Randy Hart. And he said, <laughs> he said, 
He said, Randy Hart has made more money off of Steve Etman than Steve Etman has made off of Steve Etman. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, becoming, that's becoming Ikeika Malo now. That's <laughs> becoming Malo oh, with uh, Vita Vita Vea and Great Games now. So, I mean, he's, he's making his, uh, he's making his run off of two players and, Jimmy Lake is making his making all his money off of Buda Baker and Sidney Jones and Kevin King. So I don't know. Well, sure. I Some mean, the announcer, uh, the the former Oklahoma running back, that, uh, Spencer Tillman, uh, he made that comment last week on the broadcast that he called him he called Jimmy a defensive genius, and uh, <laughs> he literally Fucking. did. I was like, well, I was like what point. bizarro world are we living in here? I mean, how about just some reality, just some shred of reality, you know? Well, well they've uh, they were making excuses for him last night, you know. Oh, this Husky team has in the turmoil they have suffered through. Like, shut the fuck up! <laughs> Don't it's not it's not like we've had half our team hurt and and you know half our teams in the hospital with COVID. Like what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Can I mean question though? But, were yes. those so Kirkland, Taimani, and Ulafosio, all three of those guys got hurt in practice, you know, a short week before a travel game, or were they were hurt at the end of UCLA? Because from what I remember, all those guys were in at the end of UCLA. How does that happen? I mean, are and or does Jimmy think, all I think the Montana game, where I, I have a feeling they sat guys who probably could have played because he thought they could just win. Is Jimmy 4D chess? Was Jimmy 4D chess again? And thinking, you know what? I'll, I'll get these guys rest. We'll get the W, and you know they'll be ready for you know the games that we actually have to win. You know we're gonna have to struggle to win. I mean, that's a we're getting pretty hypothetical here, but I, I, I did think that was a bit weird, you know, so all three of those guys got hurt in practice. Well, the fact that they didn't list any of the reasons behind their absence made me immediately think that there might have been some sort of, I don't want to say mutiny, but Jim, Jimmy uh, might be yeah. trying to tamp, tamp, tamp down some sort of uh, signs of quitting or bad attitude or whatever is a warning to everyone else if they want to keep their scholarly or whatever. I thought that too for a second. Cause it was, yeah, it's very bizarre. Um, I, I think Newton has never been hurt. I, I, I full no. conspiracy think that he had some sort of, he got pit, he got benched after Michigan and he's just pissed. And I don't think he's ever been hurt. Uh, Cause I think he had some off the field stuff before this year already. Uh, so I think he might kind of be a, an issue. I, I think there's weird stuff going on. I mean, that that seems strange. A couple, especially, you know, two of those guys are supposed to be the leaders of the team. I wonder if some shit went down and it's kind of an un, uh, unofficial suspension or they were kind of banged up anyways. And, yeah, it, it definitely seemed weird. Something happened with him what? last year too, right? Yeah, yep. Newton had a thing. I mean, I don't give a shit about Newton. <laughs> if anything, I, I don't. Uh, I mean, personally, I have no idea what he's like, and I'm a 30, fucking in my 30s, you know, 
white guy, so I know I'm, what you mean. I, 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 shouldn't, I shouldn't say too much shit, but I honestly, as a player, I think him being off the field in whatever capacity created it or started it is wonderful, uh, you know. But yeah, I, I think he's full on. Something's going on there. The other guy that's at least suspicious. Uh, that, you know, also those guys couldn't find a way to get down to Tucson as well. I believe they were not on the sidelines. I know they can't take you if you're injured, but, you know, they couldn't muster up. Kirkland couldn't use the Ponzi scheme money <laughs> to get a ticket, you know, down to fucking Tucson on a Friday night <laughs> to the beat stadium. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I, just like with McGrew, McGrew is MIA for the first two games, no, not one touch, and then suddenly he's the featured back, and you know, none of this makes sense. So same, yeah. same with Pleasant. Same with Pleasant. I mean, yep. Pleasant had like he what he blocked in the Michigan game, and well, you know, they're they're clearly your two, you know, best options at running back. Yes, but Cam Davis was last night. Those guys, those guys, <laughs> reclamation yeah, project. <laughs> yeah, I think someone, maybe it was Acropolis or someone, said Jimmy's just you know he's changing his mind by the minute. Whatever seems to work, I I think that's true. And I think even last night, I think Pleasant and McGrew were playing well. And I think McGrew, yeah, he was not. If you watched Arizona's running back, he was bouncing stuff out. Uh, you know, he was making plays with vision, and McGrew just kind of seemed like he was running into, he was running into, you know, defenders. And I think Jimmy saw that and was like, "Well, I'm going to throw Cam Davis out there," <laughs> and it worked. But I just don't think that's a great strategy. I think, yeah, I think he's just like, again, like you playing, you know, PlayStation fucking NCAA football. You're like, I, I don't know, I'll throw in the third string running back who, you know, fumbled away a game earlier and sucked. Uh, get him out there, and it worked, and you're like, oh, that worked, but you're like, is that really a good long-term strategy? <laughs> so I, I guess we'll we'll start to conclude here, um, looking ahead to Stanford next week, uh, a team that, that on an annual basis gives us absolute fits. Um, what do you guys What do you guys think? Looking forward here, we'll start with you, Joey. Well, it's. For some reason, you know, with this team, it's it's not going to surprise me at all if they win. I know it's Stanford. I know David Shaw has one crowning achievement per year, uh, maybe two, or Oregon and Washington. Um, it's for some reason this team is not going to. It's not going to surprise me if like they win. They they've they've been in every game except for uh, you know Michigan. I mean, they 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 could be six and one. I'll give them like some shred of credit. You know, they're not they're not getting blown out. They're just losing, you know, stupid and uh, stupid and pathetically. You know, like not being able to do one one thing well. You know and doing one thing poorly during the game. So it's not going to surprise me. I, I still think it's probably like a, it's probably like a 23 to, you know, 17 Stanford win or something. It, it will just look offensively challenged. Stanford 
looks like they should have scored more points in 23, but uh, yeah, it's not going to surprise me if they somehow pull out some miracle win next week. And will they? Yeah. Yeah. I pretty much the same. I feel like it's going to be like all the Pac-12 games they've had so far where, you know, it's close and if things go their way, they win. If they don't, they lose. I mean, I think the only thing I don't like really is Shaw is comfortable. Shaw will be comfortable only throwing the ball like four times in the game, I think, for other coaches. <laughs> and that might kill them. I think where other coaches <laughs> get greedy, you know, I, I do think I do think Shaw knows how to coach against this team. And, again, I had some hope. I was like I was looking at stats, and I was like, whoa, Stanford, I think, has the worst rushing offense and the worst rushing defense in the Pac-12. Uh, I was looking at it because, I mean, the Huskies early in conference had played, like, all the best rush defenses and rushing offenses, which was a horrible matchup for them. So I'm like, it's a great matchup. But I also remember two years ago, Stanford was the same thing. And, like, their whole, their whole O-line and whole D-line were, like, true freshmen that had to, like, step up because of, like, four guys were injured on both lines, and they just dominated the Husky front. And, yeah, I don't think they win, but I think it'll be close, and they have a great shot at winning. Um, I think I would not be surprised if they come out, you know, and try to spread it out and throw the ball a lot and make Stanford get uncomfortable. But I think ultimately Stanford kicks, like, five field goals. (laughs) Stanford wins, like, (laughs) 15 to, like, 15 to, like, 13 uh, and the guy never misses a field goal. It's like it's going to be like moist and floppy and wet, and their kicker is going to go like six for six on field goals and like long ones. And you're going to be like Shaw's going to have like a fourth and an inch at like the like forty yard line, and he's going to try to kick a fifty seven yarder for some reason. And everyone's going to be like, "Why is he doing this?" And then the guy's going to make it. Like that guy with the fifty yarder last night. That was like. Would have been good from 70. So, yeah, I think they can win. And then that kind of is like, you know, you are, they can salvage the season in some way because it's a big game. I think they're going to have Kirkland, Ulofosio, and Tamani back. Uh, and then, but they won't. It'll be like the UCLA game. It'll be a game that feels like it's like a 20 minute game. Stanford's just going to run for four yards of play, take the air out of the ball, and then that's it. They're going to lose, like, literally, they're going to lose, like, 16 to, like, 13. And then Shaw will have his team practicing all week at the San Jose Embassy <laughs> Suites parking garage, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shaw will go pick, go to the local trophy shop and pick up his trophy for the past five years that said, you beat Oregon and you beat Washington, but you went 4-8. You went Congratulations, Shaw. I, I don't know what the deal is. So, I think the twenty seven well, the twenty seventeen Stanford game that I went to, I think I did stay in a, I think I did stay in a in like an NBC Suites or something like that, and there just happened to be like a murder in the hotel. The night before. Wow, that's my, pretty random. My dad, and, <laughs> my dad and I stayed there in nineteen ninety four. When we we traveled down there to watch the uh, Washington Stanford game, and that was when uh, Scott Frost was the quarterback, and it was an absolute downpour, 
and uh, Stanford won 46-28, and Napoleon had a draw play at midfield. Do you guys remember that? Vaguely and, remember and that had, Vaguely, yeah. A gigantic hole, and then he slipped and fell because his feet were going too fast. <laughs> so, <laughs> my dad, uh, My dad still always brings up like, man, you remember Napoleon Kaufman? He would get moving so fast he'd trip over his own feet. <laughs> I, I, I got a homework assignment for anybody, uh, anybody who's game to do it. Last 20 years, what is the field goal percentage on opposing for opposing kickers against Washington? <laughs> it's got to be it's got to be 90 fucking percent. It has to be 90 percent. Especially over like out, yeah, they can take out the 50 plus yarders that that fall short, but are still right down the middle. If they had like two more <laughs> yards, they could make it. It's got to be 90 fucking percent. Uh, well, my my final my final statement is that murder uh, was actually in 2017 Stanford. It was a drug deal for the amount of painkillers they had to buy Bryce Love to shoot into his fucking leg at halftime. <laughs> and then you got Vita Vey and Greg Gaines, Vita Vey and Greg Gaines, and you can't stop the run suddenly because you got a guy who uh, has like a broken leg who's just like unstoppable. Like it looks like a creative player, and then sucks. The rest <laughs> comes back for no reason. I'm, I'm rambling. <laughs> Bryce Love. Well, on that fine note, we'll, we'll call it a day. <laughs> um, and uh, yep, so Washington Stanford next Saturday night down in Palo Alto, and uh, and then uh, depending on time, we'll either pod right after the game or first thing uh, Sunday morning, but. Uh, Anyways, good talking with you guys. I wish that this season could be more fun, but uh, we just got to uh, uh, keep hoping for the best. And uh, who knows, maybe Jimmy's sitting in Jen's office right now choking back tears as she tells him that she has no choice. And, uh, and uh, you know, Jeff Tedford's uh, on a Greyhound bus up, <laughs> heading up I-5 right now. So Hell we yeah. can always hope. Hey. So we'll talk to you guys soon. Yep, talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is which is a shit show of politics and strange news. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level, level of cyber peyote. peyote, come join Swain's Wigwarm. <laughs> I'm going to have to read this over. Swain's Wigwam, yeah. Swain's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's gift to college football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low, low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. <laughs> I'll have to redo that one, but... <laughs>